So we're starting a new teaching series that I'm really excited about. It's called Everyday Heroes. And um, I just want to give props to Jonathan. Jonathan does all of our uh, graphic design and video work. And this looks really good, doesn't it? So just give Jonathan a hand. Jonathan actually cut these out and painted them also. Um, I thought he did a good job. And, uh, and I did the backdrop, so, you know, okay. Um, you know, so we're talking about everyday heroes, and, uh, you know, going into summer, there's a lot of uh, what kind of videos or films coming out. There's a lot of action films coming out, right? In fact, last night, um, and I didn't even plan this or do this on purpose. I didn't really realize it until I was sitting there watching it, but I went and saw um, Avengers Infinity War or whatever it's called last night, and, uh, and that was really good, but it, it, it's what we do. In fact, um, I did a little bit of research. And you can see here, these are the top grossing opening weekends of films of all time, okay? Opening weekends of all time. And so just in this short list, uh, you've got Avengers, Black Panther, Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Batman and Superman, Batman, Batman, right? I mean, it's a lot of superheroes, that is really what we're obsessed with when it comes to especially summer movies. So I know that's going to be on everybody's brain. We're going to be thinking about superheroes. You're all going to be watching the movies. So we want to connect into what we're doing as a, as a culture and make it relevant for us. So what, what does it mean to be a hero? And why do we like these, uh, why do we like these superhero movies so much? You know, I think part of it is that we like to see Good overcoming evil. Because you know what? In, in real life, we don't see that all the time. And so I think there's a little bit of an escape where we like to be able to go and, and just for a little while have good overcome evil. And just for a little while have, uh, you know, the good guy with the bad backstory and come out of a rough time. And, you know, just once you'd like to see someone get bit by a spider and really have supernatural powers, right? So that's why we go see that. Um, I, I don't know if you were a kid. I was, and um, and I used to I used to pretend that I was um, specifically Spider Man. So I don't know if you owned these, but now just to be totally transparent here, I don't remember the top. So all I had was the bottom, and um, and I and I, I really think that there was more to them. But anyway, um, underoos. Did anybody else wear underoos? Okay, we got a couple. All right, good. Yeah, I mean, I love to pretend I was Spider-Man. Um, uh, I had these, I had these, you know, the footy pajamas, the the full body, and I used to stuff my footy pajamas full of socks and stuff, and then put a teddy bear in the top so he had a head, and then I would beat the crap out of that thing. He was the bad guy, and I'd throw him down the stairs, and then I'd like jump on the furniture and pretend I. I mean, nobody else did that. <laughs> I really, I really, I really loved it. I mean, it was, what I wanted to be when I grew up was um, either Spider-Man or FBI agent or professional baseball player. So you can see, um, I set my sights high and, and, and failed. Um, but, you know, this is something I think we say when we walk around life. I think we see things that go wrong. We see evil. We see people hurting. And I think we often think, you know what? Someone should do something about that. 
Have you ever thought that? Have you ever been driving by a situation or, or hear about something on the news and you're like, you know what? Someone should do something about that. And I think that that's kind of our attitude. It's very anti-hero speak. Just so we're going to start learning some hero speak. This is not what an everyday hero says. An everyday hero doesn't say someone should do something about that. They, they flip that and say, what can I do about that? So that's what we really want to talk about is, can we see a need and do something? So Going back to um, this, I was in Suburban Plaza two weeks ago, and I had Eden, she's my eight-year-old daughter with me, and we were driving, um, kind of pulling out of the parking lot, I forget why we were there, and there was a lady kind of uh, on the sidewalk who was like yelling, and so my initial, you know, full-body emotional reaction was to get away, right? Like that person was making a scene those things make me uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone's making a scene, but I'm not the type of person who's like, oh, seems like something's going on. I should help. I'm like, boy, I hope someone else can handle that because I can't. And I move in the opposite direction. But Eden, my eight-year-old, because just so you know, I do have a high value of helping people. So this is my this is my internal response. And then I take some time and I usually can overcome it. But Eden speaks up from her car seat and she's like, that lady needs help. We should go see if she's okay. And I'm sitting there. Literally, I could turn left and leave or I could turn right and go check on this lady. And I'm thinking, you know, we're kind of in a hurry. And this looks like it could be involved. Um, and, and I look over at her. Not only is she screaming, but now she is like crying profusely and like, whew, I'm starting to piece together what's going on. It looks like she can't find her kid. So then what starts to happen to me is I start, after I get over the, like, we're running out of time, we need to get out of here, is I start to think, man, if that was my kid, I would really want help. And so, plus, Eden, if if your eight-year-old says something like that, you pretty much have to do it or you're the worst parent in the world, right? So um, I turn, unless you've done it, then really you're fine. It's okay. Um, So no judgment here, (laughs) except for... There is. So I turned right, and I went over to the lady. I rolled down the window. I'm like, you know, um, how you doing? No, I didn't say it. I said, uh, you know, is there something we can do to help? And um, fortunately, and this is the best scenario, is when you can not have a guilty conscience because you see the need, but it's already taken care of so you don't have to do something. So she's like, no, no, I, you know, I found my daughter. I thought someone had abducted her. And then her daughter comes. She was just... She was just getting Chinese food. I mean, I was like, you know, I wish you guys would have worked this out ahead of time. Like, Suburban Plaza is not that dangerous. And, you know, usually you can just be like, I'll be over there, you know. But anyway, Eden really convicted me. And it, and it, and it got me thinking about this, this, this whole idea of, of an everyday hero. What does it take to make a difference? Because, you know, if you just watch the movies, which I know you don't all do, but like we do kind of put heroism out of reach for the common man and woman. Even if you're not talking about superheroes, a lot of times we're talking about people who do extraordinary things. And most of us are not in that league. Let's be honest. Most of us are just people who are living our lives, and, and most of us aren't going to like jump in front of a train and rip somebody out of the train and save their life. You know, like I looked up Everyday Heroes. Actually, Jonathan sent me a compilation of videos of Everyday Heroes. There are some people doing some amazing stuff out there. I haven't done any of those things. And so if that's what it takes to be an Everyday Hero, we really should have picked a different teaching series, right? 
there's got to be a way for us to tap into what I think is a God-given desire to make a difference in the world. I think one of the reasons we love those hero movies is because we are seeing something that is in us played out on screen. We all want to be that hero. We really do. We all want to make a difference in the world. And so is it really as simple as seeing a need and doing something? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And then each week for the next four weeks, we're going to talk on a few different ideas for what it means to be an everyday hero. But I want to tell you a story that Jesus told that has to do with the lady in Suburban Plaza. Okay, you didn't know that, but Jesus was there too. And, um, you know, I was like, Jesus, you really should have handled this because you're way more qualified than I am. But, you know, he was all about watching me grow. So um, that was like sort of a joke, but Jesus wasn't actually there. For those of you who are new to church and you think like, what kind of church is this? We don't think Jesus is walking around on earth today. Just wanted to clear that up. Okay, so this is from the book of Luke, which um, is one of the four eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. And if you're new to the faith and you're new to uh, Christianity or you're just checking it out, First off, we're so happy that you're here. And secondly, this would be a great place to start reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And even if you're a follower of Jesus, but you find reading the Bible difficult, also a great place to start. This is where I would recommend starting. I wouldn't recommend starting necessarily in the beginning of the Bible. Um, this is really where the story is leading to. So it's a good place to start. So we're going to just tell this story. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus and he said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what is written in the law and how do you read it? He answered, and every Jew, every good Jew at this time would have known the first part of this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. That was kind of what everyone said. It was something they repeated on a regular basis. And then he adds this in, which he must have heard Jesus teaching at another place. So he's kind of like showing off that he even knows Jesus's answer because Jesus at another time had added this second part, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, good job. You've done, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And this is what we do. We love to find out what is the shortest amount of distance that we can go, what is the least amount that we can do and still qualify. What's the least amount that we can do and still qualify? And so he's trying to remove as much responsibility from himself as he can. He's trying to say, listen, it's just the, the people that live next door to me, right? Like this is just a small number of people. And so he's testing Jesus. And so Jesus, as he always does, instead of answering the question, he tells a story. This is a very famous story. Even if you don't go to church, you may have heard of the Good Samaritan story. Um, and, and this is really famous, really popular. And, but I want to read through it because it's famous for a reason, there's a powerful story and a powerful lesson that Jesus is teaching here. So in reply, Jesus says, listen, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So real quick, I'll give you a little bit of historical context. Those are the guys that were going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Can you believe I found a picture of them? Um, the guy in the behind him, obviously, is the robber because he's sneaking up on him. And the guy in front is the guy, is the guy we're going to read about. So no. I'm showing you this because this is the kind of terrain. It was 17 miles and it was off the top of a mountain down to like 300 feet below sea level. So this is a, a huge decline and very rocky. And so robbers would hide along this because there was really nowhere to go to get away from them. Okay. So this is what he's talking about. It's a well-known road that all of the people in his audience would have gotten. They would have understood. Oh yeah, we, we know not to walk that at night. You know, it's a dangerous place. 
So he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed him on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him pass the other side. Also, Christian was in suburban plaza. And when he saw the lady, he passed on the other side. I mean, it's the same story. It's the same story. This is 2,000 years ago in Jericho, a week ago in Newark. It's the same story. And see, here's the thing. What did, the, what did they see? They saw a problem. They saw a nuisance. They saw something that might cost them money. They saw something that might make them ceremonially unclean. They saw something that was out of their reach. I mean, what do we see when we see people in need? What keeps us from being the person who stops? You know, a lot of times I think it's judgment. We judge the person in need. We think, well, they got themselves in that situation. They should get themselves out. What are they doing? If I give them money, I don't know what they'll do with that money. I don't know what they've been doing with their lives. We put them in a, in a different class than ourselves. We elevate ourselves and we say, well, I've got my life together. I've taken care of my life. I know where I'm going with my life. And they've clearly made mistakes and they're reaping what they sowed. Make it sound spiritual, right? They're getting what they deserved. Why should I step in? Why should I spend my money to help this person? Why should I spend my time to help this person? Why should I put myself in this uncomfortable situation? This is what these two, and of course, Jesus, the background of this story, he's calling out everybody in the audience. He's like, look, He's picking on him. He's saying, a priest and a Levite, these are, you know, a, a pastor and a, a sound man are walking by. And, you know, that's not really true, but we don't really have an equivalent for a Levite. So, but, you know, this is the, who they would have looked up to. And then he picks someone that they all would hate. So Samaritans and Jews, many of you, if you've been in church your whole lives, you've heard this ad nauseum, you know this. But uh, if it's your first time here, a little bit of historical background, Samaritans and Jews hated each other. There's extreme prejudice between them. And so to really, you know, drive the knife in a little bit with his, a little bit more, he does, he picks a Samaritan. He picks someone that everyone in the audience would have hated. See, the guy on the road who was beaten up was a Jew. It was the priests and Levites' responsibility to take care of their fellow man, but they didn't. And so then he picks out a Samaritan. So Samaritan, as he traveled, he came and he saw the man. Of course, he saw something different. You know, he saw an opportunity. He saw someone in need, and he took pity on him. And I think even, even here, sometimes we get stuck. I think sometimes we feel bad, and we feel powerless, and so we don't do anything. We feel bad, and we feel, like, what are the things that get in the way for you? You know, when you see somebody in need, think about, like, and, and, and let's broaden this out. So let's just take, let's just back away from the story a little bit, because this is kind of an extreme situation, and maybe you're like, Christian, if I found someone who was beaten up and robbed, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I need to be careful. Like, yep, I might have my kids with me. I don't want to put myself in dangerous situations. So let's just back away. In general, what is need? What does it mean to see somebody in need? I mean, this happens all the time. This happens at work. You know, if you're a teenager, this happens at school all the time. There are kids who are hurting every single day. There are kids who are hungry. There are kids who are emotionally hurting. There are kids who are in school and their parents are having such severe problems that they're just barely making it through the day. A lot of times the kids you see that bother you because of their bad behavior, those are the kids that are hurting. And, and, and it's, it's, um, it's a self, 
What's the, what's the word? It's a cycle that continues, right? Because they put up these walls because they're hurting so much and then people ignore them or people make fun of them and they get hurt more so they put up more walls and you just see this destructive cycle. You see the same thing in adults. I mean, you know when you're at work, you know when someone's having a hard day, don't you? And sometimes it's easier just to go about your business. Sometimes it's easier just to, to just say the quick thing and move on. Because you know, I mean, maybe, maybe there's even that person who's kind of always got a problem. I mean, we know people like that, right? And it's like, you know, I was nice the first 10 times, but I mean, really, this person's got to get their life together. I know that sounds harsh, um, but I think that about Jonathan on a regular basis, you know? When I'm at the office, I just, you know, wish that he would, yeah, Rebecca said same. She thinks that every day. <laughs> Someday he will get his life together. You know, we need, can we move past thinking we wish that someone would do something for this person. So, woo, that's a big slide. All right. So he went to him. This is all the stuff he did. And I love how specific Jesus gets. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. So he took his own oil, right, which would have been a dis... Uh, let's see, let me get this right. The wine would have been a disinfectant and the oil would have been like a healing lotion. He took his own oil and his own wine. He put it on the man's, on his own donkey and he took care of him, took him to an inn. He paid with his own money, said, look after him and I'll re- reimburse you any extra expense you might have. See, what happened here, and what what I love about this, is that this guy made him his neighbor. And here's the thing. The guy was saying, who counts as my neighbor? It was very passive. Who are my neighbors? Just so I know, in case they get in trouble. But Jesus makes it very active. He takes it, and he says, who are you going to make your neighbor? He owned this situation. Instead of saying, someone ought to do something about that, he owned the situation. He said, this, this guy is my responsibility. I was there in Suburban Plaza, and, and, and that lady, like, what if she hadn't found her child yet? You know, so a couple years ago, it just reminds me of another story. A couple years ago, we were at the beach and on vacation, and um, we were watching some commotion uh, play out, and, you know, there was a, a mom who had lost her little child on the beach, and that is terrifying. And... I had the same initial reaction. I don't want to get involved with this. A, we're on vacation. Like, can I take six days a year off? (laughs) Right? B, I really am scared of what's going to happen if we don't find the kid. To be totally honest with you, like, that's going to be really scary for me to get into that emotional place with those people. I don't know that I'm really ready for that. And see, I know we're going to do it, right? Because if I was in that situation, I would want someone to help me. And so it's even awkward to insert yourself. Like, don't you, aren't we kind of raised in America with like, like even, even our generation's gotten worse. You know, um, you can do some research on how people, how fences have been utilized. It's just kind of a, another side note to my side note. Don't worry, we'll get back to the teaching sometime. But um, like, you know, two generations ago, there weren't a lot of fences around properties because people went out in their front porches and they would hang out and actually talk to their neighbors. But now everybody builds fences because they want their own spot. Aren't we kind of raised like that? Like, that's your business. This is my business. There's even a bit of rudeness. I felt rude walking up to this lady and being like, 
can I help you find your daughter? I was like, I know this is like your own situation. I'm sorry to, I'm a stranger. I'm injecting myself in, but would you like help? And they were like, yes, please, would you help us? Which is most people's response. But we have this thing built in, right? So see a need and do something. Like, what can I do? So, you know, we told the lifeguard and then we asked for a description and we just started walking the other way. And we just were walking. It's me, me and Elliot. And we walked and walked and walked and walked. And I think we split up Samuel and Mandy. Didn't you go the other way? Yeah. So we went, you know, and I'll tell you what, as we, the further and further we walked, you know, we're praying and asking God. And um, we went a while and then just like a little bit ahead, another person was also looking and they found her. And this just to show you a little bit of what an evil person I am, I was a little bit disappointed <laughs> because I wanted to find her. <laughs> Just to be totally honest with you, don't, don't tell anybody, okay? But like, I knew I should be excited because like they found the kid, but I was just a little bit like, man, if I had started five seconds earlier, that would be me. And I could have been the hero and now I got nothing. And we just had to turn around. But uh, anyway, it's, it's scary to in, insert yourself and to say, okay, this is your problem, but I'm gonna come and make it my problem. Do you see that shift? Are you and I willing to make other people's problems our own problems? So he says, which of these three was a neighbor? Not, which of these three did that person happen to be their neighbor? See the switch? He takes the guy's question and transforms it. Who was being a neighbor? Who neighbored? Who did it? And the guy says, well, he can't even say the Samaritan because he's so mad, right? How dare Jesus uses a Samaritan in that story? That would never happen. So unrealistic, right? The one who had mercy on him. He says, go and do likewise. Who's, who's my neighbor? Everybody. Who's my neighbor? Anybody. Anybody for whom you're willing to say, I will own your problems. So could we see a need and do something, right? This is so simple. Is this all it takes to be a hero? What if you could just step into people's stories it doesn't have to be as dramatic as kids being lost. You know, it can be like, um, you know, I use this all the time, but the, the person who's lonely and you just invite them out to lunch or you go sit next to them at the table in the cafeteria or you shoot that person a text because they look down. You know, another thing that gets scary for us, have you ever noticed this? That when people go through hard times, everybody comes around them right away. But once a week or two passes, we all have a little bit of distance. They're still in pretty much the same place, but we're like, I don't know. I haven't said anything in a few days. If I, if I talk to them, I might remind them. That's so ridiculous. They're not like, I wonder why I was sad. You know, like they're living in it, but we get this buffer and then we start like, and all of a sudden to add to their grief or whatever it is they're going through, now they feel isolated. We should be just like Captain America. I don't know why I got so close to you there, buddy. But we should just be walking up into their stuff, owning their stuff until they tell us to back off. I mean, how many times are we like, I probably shouldn't call them. You know, I probably shouldn't text them. I mean, just do it. Just see a need and do something. Someone comes to your mind. What if that was God putting that person in your mind? You're not that nice. Right? Left our own devices. We'll just think about ourselves 24-7. Shoot off that text. This, This can be easy. It's everywhere. Everyone can do this. If you're 10 years old, you can do this. If you're 80 years old, you can do this. If you're a stay at home mom and you have 17 kids and you feel like you're ripping your hair out, you can still do this. People should be doing it for you more, but you can still do it, all right? 
If you're retired, you can do this. We've all got something. You know, see, one of the excuses we make is, I don't know if I'll have what it takes. I don't know if I have what it takes in this situation. I don't know what the situation is going to look like. I don't know if I'll have what it takes. But we all have something because Jesus has given you something. Maybe you have time. Maybe you have money. Maybe you have wisdom. Maybe you know someone else who could help. One time I stopped and talked to this guy um, who was homeless and, you know, was begging for money. And I, we got him some food and I was talking to him and he told me his whole situation. And I was like, I can't help you, but I know somebody who can, right? That's the, that's what I had to give in that moment. And I prayed for him and we always have faith to give. So listen, this is, this is Jesus's brother, James, who wrote a book of the Bible. And this is just so powerful. We, I, Okay, I'm just going to read it. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? What good is it? It's no good. That's what he's saying. What good is it if you have faith and no deeds? It's no good. In fact, I think you would say it's not faith. Can such faith save them? See, some people... Get bothered by this because, you know, in other places in the Bible, Paul writes and says, you know, faith alone saves us and we're not saved by works. James isn't saying you're saved by works. He's saying if you don't have faith that makes deeds, you don't have real faith. You just believe. There's a difference between believing and having faith. There's a difference between saying I mentally agree with those precepts and those concepts and that moral lifestyle and saying, no, I have faith in Jesus who's changed my life. And the light of Jesus now lives inside of me. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. He's just throwing out a random situation. If one of you says, go in peace, get warm, be fed, basically says, someone will take care of you, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? If you, this was actually like, um, go in peace was uh, like shalom. It was like a blessing that you would say over somebody, right, in, in the Jewish culture. So if you pray for them, but you don't help them, What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That's some harsh stuff right there. This is why we need to see a need and do something. Have I put that slide up enough yet? You're going to remember it. Okay. I got a lot of verses this week. I'm almost done. But this is it. You are the light of the world. So just, you know, when we were praying about planning this church, this is the verse that caught me and captured my imagination. It's why we're called City Light. If you read this, you'll, you can probably see it in there. We are the light of the world. Not, no, so I believe that the church is the light of the world, but I also believe you are the light of the world. And I believe I am the light of the world. And I believe that we carry that light with us. This is why everyone can do this. We don't hide who we are. We don't hide the love that we are. And this isn't about like, oh, so Christians saying I got to go tell everyone all the, you know, the five points of Jesus and, you know, and hand out Bibles in church or in church, um, in work. Or, <laughs> no, this is be a light. A light doesn't have to tell you it's a light. You don't put signs on your lights in your house that say light. Do you? What is that shining thing? Oh, that, that's our light. Yeah. I've never seen one before. No. A light just is. It does. It does. And you know what it is. Man, you're kind of different. 
You're shining. You know, people don't build a town and not put it on a hill so you can't find it. People don't buy lamps and then put them under bowls because, first of all, it seems like a fire hazard. But secondly, you know, the point of the light is, you know, you're going to put light into the house. In the same way, let your light shine. That you, that they may see your good deeds. Look at this. Good deeds. I'm going to go back to this one, right? Good deeds, right? Actions. They're going to see your faith. James says in another place, you say you have faith. I have deeds. You show me your faith without deeds. Go ahead. Let me see it. What are you going to do? How are you going to show me your faith? Are you going to worship? I don't know. I don't know if that's it, you know? I'm going to watch you pray. I'll show you my faith by what I do. He throws a challenge out there. They're going to see your good deeds, and they're going to glorify your Father in heaven. What is the way to show people the love of Jesus? To do something. Don't tell them. Do it. You can tell them later if you want to. See a need and do something. It's very simple. You can do it, and 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 I can do it. We could do it today. We could go be the light of the world. It could be so simple. I'm going to lower the bar as far as I can possibly lower it. Yesterday, I was at the grocery store. Like This can become a lifestyle. You can begin to just breathe and eat and sleep and drink and think this. How can I just be the light. Hey, Jillian, you can start passing those out. Giving you a card to take home this week. And on the back, there's a prayer and there's this Bible verse. I'd encourage you to read this Bible verse a few times this week. Allow this Bible verse to inspire you. And pray that prayer every time this week, every day this week. So listen, I was at the grocery store. This doesn't even barely count, but I wanted to lower the bar for everyone in there in the audience who's still like, but Christian, I don't want to, I don't want to. I was at the grocery store and I was coming out with my cart and there's a line of carts right here and there's the cart guy. I have a special place in my heart for cart guys. I don't know. I'm serious. I do. Like that is the, I just feel bad for them. And so everybody brings their cart out the doors and just leaves them on the wrong end of the cart thing. Now it's, it's dumb that they built it this way and put the exit right next to the wrong end. And I was, I was like, you know what? That's probably annoying for him. So I just walked it down to the other end and stuck it in where it's supposed to go. Very simple. It cost me like five seconds of my life. And the guy actually was touched by it. You know? He was like, hey, I, got, I mean, I got, I got a thumbs up, right? And so I had an interaction with him. I was like, you know, it's not that hard. He's like, you would think, you know? <laughs> and so I led him to Jesus right there on the spot, you know? I didn't, you know, but see, here's the thing. Like, okay, can I just tell you, have you ever played hide-and-seek before? Everybody, right? Okay, thanks. So when I play hide-and-seek with my eight-year-old, like, generally I know where she is, okay? But I I open every closet and door and cupboard looking for her to build the suspense, right? And I just look and look and look and look and look. This is how I treat this. I just do this. You never know if it's going to lead somewhere. You know when it's not going to lead somewhere is when you don't do it. 100% guaranteed. But I just like open the doors. Like, yeah, here's the need, do something. Here's the need, do something. And every once in a while, it's like, oh, jackpot. Like that person, I was, it was a more meaningful conversation or I really helped them or I found their kid one of these days, you know, or they, they came to church. They connected with Jesus. They found community again. Sometimes you're one nice action away from reconnecting people with Jesus. Do you believe that? 
You should because the Bible says it right there. <laughs> See, I need to do something. All right, we're going to sing one more song. Iron Man will be leading. <laughs> Captain America's playing guitar. Can you sing behind that, Jonathan? That would be really funny. I was thinking how funny it would have been if we would have cut out Jonathan's face and put it on there. Are you taking him away? Aw. So guys, did you think it was a real city back there? Yeah, Yeah, right? Okay. We had you fooled. Okay, so what we're going to do now, if you're new to City Light, we end with a response and reflection time each week. And so what you can do is we're going to sing one more song. So if you would just spend some time singing one more song, reflecting on what we talked about. Um, If you would like to get prayer... Um, you can head over there. We have some people who would love to pray with you. Prayer is not scary. All this is, is you're going over and saying, listen, I'm going through something. You know, if you, um, come back, if you're struggling, <laughs> I can't see the other ones. If you're struggling with believing, thank you, with ha- that you have something to give in these situations, go get prayer. They would love to pray with you. If you're struggling just in life, like Jesus it wants to minister to you. And we believe in the power of prayer. And so even if you're sick today or, or you're hurting, you have an injury, we believe that God heals. Like, just go get some prayers. It's not a big deal. Um, or you can take that card. You can read the scripture. You can spend some time meditating on that. Um, again, if you're new here, don't forget to fill out your card. Drop it by the welcome table. Um, we'd love a chance to just connect with you. So we'll send you an email tomorrow. So let's stand together as we close out in this last song.